0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, fires
1: downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Live. And takes it all the way. DJ Moore has- back to the road of his overtime podcast my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel you can check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com sean i did mention it at the start of the previous show that we discussed the road of his rookie guide giving it a mention again the three editions that will be coming out will be available for pre-order at this current moment in time the link is in today's show description they are 20 dollars for all three volumes combined great value i would highly recommend you sign up and check that out on pre-order the first edition will come your way in early february to get you a preview ahead of the nfl draft sean we're thinking about having a little bit of a a fun off-season project that'll lead us in to the end season time for 2023 looking about potentially picking up an orphan dynasty roster over at the ffpc and talking through it something that i'm going to put out there to the listeners this isn't going to be on a show this week but we're planning to buy this team going to go through some options of which teams we may buy but we're planning on potentially going through a a kind of a, a diary or a series going through our process as we get the team what we were looking for what we're going to do with moves going forward what moves we make kind of giving an idea of what the strategies are from picking up a team that is already formed rather than from the complete startup point of view and what i'm going to look for the listeners sean here is Give us give us a name. So, you know, what should we call this series? Uh, and we'll go through it here on the podcast then moving forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what suggestions come. Sean, have you any suggestions that, that you think we should be, you know, topping the – what is the 101 of Dynasty off-season <laughs> podcast diaries? What What is the name we should be looking for here?
2: Oh, I don't know. You just sprung that on me. I did.
1: I was looking for wanna a segue. I want to hear
2: what the listeners – have to uh have to say. Also, if you are in a rotoviz Triflex Dynasty League and there are open spots, and you want us to take over a team in your league, message column and let him know. There are a lot of teams out there that are available right now. The FFPC does a fantastic job getting these orphans new homes. One of the things that I have been impressed by as I go through the list is how many of these teams are a lot of fun and have I mean they have weaknesses in many cases but there're also plenty of situations in which obviously dynasty managers just decided that they either have too many teams or want to go in a different direction you know want to do more startups and so you've got to get rid of some teams in order to balance your overall portfolio there's some really good teams out there so head on over to the FFPC check those out and come on. Curtis Patrick did a fantastic job working with the FFPC to put this format together. It's been a huge hit. People love the RV Triflex format over there. That's the format we will be playing, and I can't wait. It's always so much fun to take over one of these teams and and see how you can reshape it. Obviously, when you do a startup, you can pick your guys, and and that's the fun of it. Also, the trading and trading down, trading out, there's an avalanche of trades that occur during a startup. And if you'd like trading, then you can't beat that. But when you take over an orphan, you don't have maybe the same attachment to the player. So again, it really spurs trades. If you're a trader, get over there, grab an orphan. We're going to do that. We'll also have the Dynasty Workshop series up on the website again this offseason. That's always one of my favorites to write. But Colin, today we are going to jump back into our project looking at. Early ADP for 2023. We're excited to draft. Drafts are already taking place. FFPC, never too early. Regular format, never too early. Superflex format. Today we're going to be looking at the regular ADP. We went into a decent amount of detail in round one, especially the first half of round one on the previous show. We talked about some structural elements in terms of the 2023 draft environment, what that landscape is going to look like, how we expect it to evolve as the offseason progresses there are a lot of players in this 107 to 212 range that are very interesting and on, we can't go through this project without finding really a, a pretty good amount of
1: controversy if you look closely there is and i kind of teased into this at the end of last the last show and i kind of skipped over it then we moved in we glanced through the second round and when we were talking after we thought we better dive in because there's Probably a lot of people listening, they're going to have a lot of questions about some of these guys. So it was Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, CD Lamb, and AJ Brown to round off, back end off the first round, along with Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, CD Lamb has had a very positive run through the playoffs. The Cowboys now eliminated. AJ Brown still in the playoffs, has had an immensely strong first season after his trade to the Philadelphia Eagles. Devontae Adams also traded. Interestingly, Sean, all of these guys outside of CD Lamb have, have been traded at one point or another. Stefan Diggs obviously from the Minnesota Vikings he had a very disappointing finish to how the playoffs rounded up here but I still think you know the, the big question here is around quarterbacks that they're tethered to there's obviously the health concerns with Tyree or Tyree Kill's quarterback and Tua hopefully long term that is not an issue major questions around who will be the starting quarterback for the LA Raiders at this particular moment in time I think Dak is safe at the moment for the Cowboys, Now we know that Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback for A.J. Brown. Looking at the order of those, we obviously have the more veteran players and wide receiver four, five, six, seven. Uh, I, I would find it quite hard with that list to not go with A.J. Brown, who is a wide receiver eight, as the wide receiver four. Have you any strong preferences, Sean, over those guys, and where do you see the most controversy?
2: The older players here start to raise some eyebrows, I think. Tyreek Hill, with the best season of his career, he's someone that once we more or less confirmed that his off-season podcast ravings were accurate and that he was going to go on to absolutely set the world on fire, he's a good choice in this general range. I don't know if you want to select him as high as the seventh overall pick, but he has reestablished himself as that type of player. He has the speed that no one else can match. The Dolphins used him underneath. He gets more manufactured targets now than Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle was the manufactured touch guy as a rookie. They target both of these guys relentlessly over the middle. And even though defenses adjusted and took some of that away down the stretch, you can count on the Dolphins to have... New wrinkles to exploit defensive coverages in 2023. So really for Hill, it all comes down to Tua and his health. The reports at this point are pretty positive, that once we get to next season, the brain should have healed and that the damage is not to the extent that there are long-term concerns. The number one thing, obviously, they're just Tua's health. That takes precedent over the reality implications of all of this. So we're excited for him there. Despite all of that, once you do start to have the multiple concussions, there is a chance for this uh, similar dynamic to take place next season. We'll see what the Dolphins do to create a better backup depth chart, I think is going to be incredibly important for Miami, perhaps more so than any other team. But with Hill and Waddle, who is going... In the mid-second round, those two players have they have got the track record now, and they have multiple years of success. Waddle, the rising player, if he can do a little bit better in contested catch situations next season, then he has a chance to be the 2024 first-round pick. I don't think that we have a huge amount of worry there. The concern I would have would be for Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs both of these guys were being drafted at the 1-2 turn in 2022. They paid that off for the vast majority of the season. And if anything, it looked like we were too low on Diggs. But he has gone through now a very weak stretch. And this stretch has more or less coincided with possible elbow injury concerns for Josh Allen. But when we pull up Stefan Diggs and we look at the last month of his season these last four games only one wide receiver one finish he has three games with 11 points or less he averages 11.3 and then he goes out in the playoffs and puts up two consecutive duds or i should say the big dud comes in their elimination at the hands of the cincinnati Bengals in the snow He's got to be able to do more for the team than that. You saw him lose his composure a little bit at the end. That's something that plagued him at times in Minnesota. They got tired of it. They moved on from it in Buffalo. He's been a team leader. His enthusiasm and emotion has been a positive. His game breaking ability has been a positive. He's one of these players who like Antonio Brown can do everything. He's got the vertical ability. You can't cover him underneath. We expect him to bounce back next season, but the other Problem that the Bills had at times this year over the second half of the season, Gabe Davis edged him in air yards and yet still didn't make a fantasy impact. He does have the big playoff game as we've come to expect from him in the first round against the dolphins, but he also fails in the divisional round loss and has not exactly a drop, but doesn't catch the ball cleanly late on a long pass down the sideline which because he doesn't initially catch it cleanly, the defender is able to come through, knock it out of his hands, that more or less the dagger for the Bills. They were one of these teams that was supposedly interested in Odell Beckham during the offseason. I would expect the Bills to add to this cast of characters at the receiving positions in the offseason. Maybe it's simply that Kier takes a step forward, but they need... Just a little bit more weaponry if they want to hang with teams like the Bills, if they want to put together a roster like what we see with the Philadelphia Eagles. That, in all likelihood, will also knock digs a little bit. So, despite the hot stretch for the first two-thirds of the season, he ended up being more or less what we were projecting, which is a very, very good player. But I'm skeptical that that's worth a first-round pick. And at the same time, we have a similar dynamic with Devonte Adams who has an extraordinary season. He gets to play with his college buddy Derek Carr. He leads the NFL in touchdowns. But because he does and because he scores a lot of long touchdowns, that papers over a little bit of the inconsistency and a little bit of the slow finish. If you look at his final 5 games, only one wide receiver one finish the other four don't make a fantasy impact. Averages only 13.4 points per game down the stretch. And now you go into an offseason of uncertainty there as well, where it appears that the Raiders are intent on actually downgrading at quarterback after the car, Josh McDaniels' marriage, was a failure. Perhaps they get Tom Brady, but that didn't work out that well for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin this last season. Perhaps they get Jimmy Garoppolo, who we now know is probably not as good as Mr. Irrelevant and Adams, I mean, he's going to be a good floor pick with massive weekly upside. So when you're looking at the end of the first round here, it's not that he's a bad selection, but the slow finishes for these players, I think can sometimes be missed because if you didn't have them on your roster during the season, you were probably regretting that the whole way and you're looking forward to 2023. And when do I get to pick them? I get to have these guys on my team, maybe not noticing just how weak the finish was because they weren't on your particular roster
1: yeah that can be a real challenge there's two things we talk about sometimes and you head on one of them there that's where the slow finish of the season may not be noticed you know if you don't have them on your rosters and the playoffs for example or you haven't had them all season long the other part is where players have a strong finish to the season or have a strong playoff run i think cd lamb fits into that category a little bit sean and we have a couple of players that are still left to go T Higgins has struggled over the last couple of weeks he's a second round wide receiver by ADP and this, the other ones that are still available Devonte Smith, Debo Samuel and CD Lamb, AJ Brown also paired in there do you think that CD Lamb is going to be overvalued heading into this season or I think that this is the wide receiver seven for me is a correct valuation for him but I think that late first round may be maybe a challenge
2: Yeah, I think this is the correct valuation. One of the interesting things that we saw this last season is that there was some skepticism and not strong skepticism, but one of the big storylines was how are these teams either have multiple receivers or have hybrid quarterbacks going to create enough volume for these star wide receivers to really come through? That was the question with Jamar Chase, and on our previous show, we talked about the fact that even with that, he's now risen as we look to 2023. A.J. Brown in this dynamic with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. How was Devontae Smith, who is coming off of a fantastic rookie season, and before that a Heisman season? He gets drafted in that 6-7 round range most of last year. And now we're looking at him in round two, despite the fact that before the Dallas Goddard injury, Goddard was outscoring him. Now, that doesn't mean that when all three of those guys are together in the future, the Goddard will outscore him. One of the things that happened there is I think the Eagles realized, and Jalen Hurts perhaps especially realized what they have in Smith, and he's going to be a star. But when you think about all of the things that have to go right now, for A.J. Brown to be worth the 112 for Devontae Smith to be worth a mid-second round pick, because Dallas Goddard is going to be one of the best tight end selections. Also, we had a lot of Devontae Smith last year because in these situations where you have talent at multiple spots and you have a red flag—not even a red flag, but a hurdle—like creating enough volume when you have a hybrid quarterback and you just have a split pie, you take the cheapest player especially if that player ends up being a tight end, it's a great way to get production at a position that otherwise is difficult to handle. I'm not saying that we won't have A.J. Brown or we won't have Devontae Smith. Those are two of our favorite players. We're not going to be off of them entirely by any stretch. But that's one of the things that you have to look at here. Debo Samuel, middle of round two, that I think will potentially change. I think he'll probably end up being a third-round selection But when you think about Debo and how difficult his season was this year, again, with the injuries, with the poor quarterback play, and with the split, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have George Kittle, you have Christian McCaffrey. Where do all of the points come? The fact that we're right back at it in 2023, and we have Chase and Higgins both up there, we have Hill and Waddle both up there, we have Brown and Smith both up there, we still have a Debo Samuel up there. It continues to emphasize that talent is what you want to chase, Especially early, we have drafters who are willing to go for that. As projections come out and knock these guys down, we'll probably see some of them slide, and some of them probably should slide, or at least you want to be very careful about how you approach it and manage your exposures correctly. Try and get them at small discounts as opposed to drafting them in every draft. But that tension is going to be one of the most interesting things, again. I feel like we got it right in telling people to go after the stars. I still want to go after the stars. But you're going to have to look for values throughout and ways to play some of these teams. It's hard to draft Brandon Ayuk right now after he seems to be so clearly the fourth fiddle behind those other three stars in this offense. But he's a very, very good player. We're probably going to get a different quarterback again next season. That dynamic can shift. Always looking for ways to get talent at the best possible price and to create teams in which we have room for the upside to really run and we're protected against some of these downside scenarios.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Yeah, the the part that you touched on there was something I was going to bring up is the fact that we have two players from multiple offenses in the first two rounds and how much of a challenge does that make last year for example drafting we a lot of the time so you can pass on AJ Brown to try and get Devontae Smith you can pass on Jamar Chase to try and get T Higgins you could pass on Tyreek Hill and wait and get Jalen Waddle. you can do all those things this year but rather than getting a two three four sometimes five round discount on those guys one of the examples that you might still be able to do is Debo Samuel to Brant and Ayuk, but those other guys were in similar ranges last year. We had Elijah Moore. We also then had the drop off to Garrett Wilson and his ADP this year. I think it, Garrett Wilson is going to be a, a fringe late second round pick, I think, in, in drafts this year, certainly in the, that third round range. Looking at that, do you think that is sustainable? You know, that's usually an edge we're looking to take advantage of. This year, that might be priced out a little bit when. We're trying to account for that by ADP.
2: Yeah, I mean, the one thing is just you can't get multiple players in that group. They're all going to be in the second round. You can't build a full team that includes those discounted guys. The other thing, as you mentioned, is that if once that gap becomes smaller, then perhaps you move back in the direction where you would just prefer to go ahead and have Chase. You would just prefer to go ahead and have A.J. Brown.
1: Take the high-end option.
2: Yeah, take the star There are going to be weeks when that doesn't work out. Obviously, if you're playing A.J. Brown in a playoff contest right now, it's very frustrating that he was the guy who didn't really get volume in their blowout victory against the Giants. You're probably still alive. You have two more games here where he could be the breakaway superstar. I mean, he could be the the transcendent player. We watched that a couple times this year where they go out and throw multiple touchdowns to him early, blow out the opponent, even against the 49ers, and you think about what just happened, where the one area where the 49ers are a little bit exploitable, you have CeeDee Lamb going off against them. If Brown is the player who is able to make the plays or based on how the 49ers are playing, and even ends up maybe being the matchup guy, then I mean he could win that tournament for you. The interesting thing here, Higgins still going fairly early. He's been maybe the most disappointing player so far in the playoff contest. I mentioned recently on Stealing Bananas that... Through the first 17 weeks of the season, both of these guys had different types of injuries. So if you just look at like games played, it's going to be a little bit misleading because Chase tended to miss his his entire games, whereas Higgins went out early in games that he actually played. So you go back and you look at routes instead of games. And from that perspective, Chase and Higgins through 17 weeks had run almost the identical number of routes and scored almost an identical number fantasy points so obviously if those two conditions are true you're also scoring the same number of fantasy points per route but then you have week 18 and the first two rounds of the playoffs and suddenly this gap between chase and higgins which obviously exists i don't think there are that many people out there who legitimately believe that higgins is better you do hear that but even in most of those cases it's that higgins is the better value though in many cases the the price difference isn't that great but now that chase is moving away again it's really the flexibility of chase to win in so many different ways to where he's the guy that can get open underneath a little bit easier and he's the guy who has that vertical ability both in terms of run after the catch and just getting behind the defense higgins can do many of those things as well he's a strong possession receiver He can just body the defensive back. You can throw it to him covered. He still makes that contested catch and is able to box out his corner in many cases. He does create some run after the catch because of that physicality. You can throw the ball up to him deep, but Chase just a little bit better at every level. And with, you know, 4-3 speed, he's not quite Tyree kill, but you're talking about a bigger, more advanced receiver, even though he's younger with, speed that doesn't trail by that much chase a matchup nightmare especially with a joe burrow who reads and releases so quickly obviously from a dynasty perspective jamar chase just below justin jefferson if you're not playing super flex those are the top two guys in fantasy if you are playing super flex then i mean i would argue that jefferson and chase have to be considered right after allen and mahomes perhaps they move up ahead of every QB except for those two guys. They're going to be in that mix in the first round. Some drafters will still prefer the quarterback. But you have those two players. What that means then when we go back and look at it from a redraft perspective is you don't know which years are going to be the ones. We look back 15 years from now and say this was a historic season. This was a historic season. This was a historic season. This was the time that he went for 2020. But you're going to continue to mix him in at the very top end of drafts because those seasons, well, one of those seasons may hit. You may get a 2020 at some point. You're going to get multiple seasons where he's in that wide receiver one to wide receiver three range. You may have some disappointing seasons and Higgins may beat him a couple of times. But the vast majority of the time, it's going to be Chase as the top guy. The question then becomes, can Higgins kind of break out of this funk that he's currently in, can he stay healthy? He's been one of these players who's been dinged up throughout his professional career. If Higgins could stay healthy, you're talking about him probably still as even a first-round value. So you're going to take the discount on Higgins, even though it's less than we would like, simply because in order to get Mark Chase, you're going to have to have a top three, top five pick. There are going to be a lot of teams where you're just simply walled off from that. And they're going to be teams where you start Justin Jefferson and then would prefer to have Higgins with that in any season where you have a chase injury than Higgins as a pairing with Justin Jefferson. You could have the number one and number two guys. So that's a great setup as you build through the team. I don't know that we have quite that same upside from a Devontae Smith, who's currently going a little bit earlier, but Smith's somebody now who, because he has been in that group, you had this first half of the season where it was Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell both top five wide receivers second half of the season AJ Brown Devontae Smith both top five wide receivers if anything were to happen to AJ Brown and you have Devontae Smith with Dallas Goddard again I mean you're looking at Devontae Smith as probably being a top five wide receiver for the full season those guys in the second round very appealing because those offenses are going to score so many points so you have a little bit less of the concern that you're going to have for example with a Devonte adams who simply doesn't have that and the farther that he gets from the time in green bay and now that you have injected more <laughs> quarterback uncertainty i mean this could very easily be worse and significantly worse than his situation was with Derek carr
1: yeah it could become very very messy let's hope that isn't the case though i think just with the the talent that adams is but with somebody like adams going to be the the main focus off that offense maybe the raiders take in another wide receiver in free agency or in the draft but that's gonna be led by Adams but what we're seeing there with Miami with uh the Bengals and with the Eagles is just the potency of that offense we expect them to continue to be high powered offenses into the future and and those players are going to be a a hugely key part of that and I think there's enough there for those guys to to both feast uh, and those offenses the second round Sean the players that I haven't mentioned that we haven't really discussed: Najee Harris, running back five; Saquon Barkley; Amon Ross St. Brown; Mark Andrews. Uh, we touched a little bit on Debo. Then we get T.J. Hawkinson, Kenneth Walker, Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback taken. Feeds a little bit early, but again, that's gonna we're going to see we're going to see that happen with QB ADP from time to time. But looking at the Najee Harris for me feels like the clear player that probably he certainly shouldn't for me be early second round and and probably shouldn't be in that second round at all is there any name standing out as highly controversial or even egregious picks in the second round here
2: yeah i don't understand how harris can be in that particular range there are too many other elite running backs much bigger talents he had to split time with Warren this season if Warren stays a little bit healthier himself maybe that ends up being uh, not to the the Pollard Ezekiel Elliott situation but even more of a split this is one where we talk about how the slow finish can be overlooked the flip side of that is the fast finish can be overdrafted and Najee Harris finally looked a little bit more like what people have been hoping for from him down the stretch but he's a, a round four round five guy you have to have more talent than he has to be drafted where he's going and you have to have the combination of more talent and a better workload and when we say workload part of that is going to be creating the high value touches in the running game as well as in the receiving game it's not that the steelers couldn't take a step forward this next year and be back to what they were closer to Ben Roethlisberger's peak, but we had a season that leaves you with a lot of questions about Kenny Pickett. I'm enthusiastic about him. I think he's going to develop into a solid starting quarterback at the NFL level, but we can't say that definitively. So there's some uncertainty and definitely a lot of downside that's built into the offense there. If the offense isn't as strong, if he doesn't develop that rapport with Najee Harris and Najee Harris drops to only five receiving EP per game, last year. I mean, you can't be drafted in that second round unless you're either a superstar or you have receiving EP numbers closer to eight or nine. You think about what Austin Eckler did that, this last year, receiving expected points per game, just under 12, a guy who his volume would suggest 12 points in the receiving game. He also outperforms that gets up to 12.5 points just as a receiver. What Harris showed in that first month of his rookie season now has become pretty clearly a fluke in that regard. Could he get back there? It's certainly not impossible, and you do want to recognize that there is a little bit of upside. A little bit. But you're drafting drafting assuming the upside when you're taking him in that range. Najee Harris was at 13.8 expected points per game this season. That is more of a fifth, sixth round pick even before you consider... The talent. Now he underperformed again just like he did as a rookie. But I mean, at this point, you prefer to have someone like a Damian Pierce over someone like Anashi Harris. Or Pierce established himself as a better talent. I mean, he underperformed his volume, which was in that same range, in part because of the Houston Texans context. But there's no guarantee that the Texans will have a worse context this coming season than what the Steelers have. One of the issues with the Steelers is that their receivers did not emerge this past season beyond a George Pickens but if you have a Deontay Johnson taking those underneath targets and being very jealous of those underneath targets having that contract that he was able to get with the extension and then you have a George Pickens and you have a Pat Fryermuth, and Pickens probably will blow up next year as their number one the vertical guy the overall stud in that passing game but then you have multiple players underneath this offense even if things go well doesn't really lend itself to the type of workload for harris that would justify a pick anywhere close to this range
1: yeah so i think it's going to be interesting to see where that adp finishes up i think it should start to, to slide down a little bit i i would go as far as to say that i you know people might be looking to, to draft a player like harris for you know job security at this point i i wouldn't even think that you kind of hinted out there I i don't think that is the case heading into 2023 i know it's early in his career but i still think there's a a huge amount of question marks around that that is going to take us through round two sean is there any player before we wrap up that we haven't touched on in that second round that you want to discuss
2: well we're both happy and sad that tj hawkinson is going in the second round we're happy for him because he's been probably the tight end most associated with ot we're sad because it's gonna be a lot more difficult. It's harder to get him in there. Yeah. I mean, you can't really draft him in the second round, even though I mean we'll probably sprinkle him into a few teams. It's also this true like, when
1: we when we talked about the offenses with two players, we didn't talk about the Vikings with both Jefferson and Hawkinson in there as well.
2: Yeah, but and with the Vikings, it's a case that it's really just those two guys. Where in some of these other offenses, you're getting some more pieces. Now, you know, with Waddle and, and Hill, it was definitely that. With the Eagles, you have the three pieces. With the Bengals, they've sort of sidelined the additional pieces. But yeah, I mean, you have TJ Hawkinson playing off of Justin Jefferson. It's it's different when it's a tight end because the threshold for what counts as success is so much lower you look at that hot stretch where he finishes the season you look at weeks 14 to 19 and obviously that grabs in the playoff game where he again is a target hog not everybody gets to play that week but during that stretch he leads the position in targets he leads the position in receptions he finishes second to evan ingram who had the huge game in that span in receiving yards even though kirk cousins is not a big time talent or really accurate player because of the the route concepts that they're asking from hawkinson he ends up with 70 catch rate i mean this is a guy who in the minnesota vikings offense is going to be targeted repeatedly underneath these are going to be high catch rate types of plays from a tight end premium perspective if your tight end has hawkinson's talent and we're still at a level where i don't think we can make the claim that he Is the second coming of George Kittle, or that he's anything like Travis Kelsey. But if you have a former top 10 player who is a focal point in this offense as the guy playing off of a Justin Jefferson, if he's going to get that target volume, the Vikings have to be over the moon about this particular trade. Hawkinson has jumped Dalvin Cook in terms of the fantasy importance here. If you can get that volume at the tight end position in a premium scoring format, this is where he belongs
1: so that is concluding round two and we're going to go through these other rounds as the draft progress we get more data more adp and i'm looking forward to doing that we teased it at the start as well going to do some dynasty offseason we're always going to do dynasty offseason content but we're going to do it specifically with a team that we take over and see where we go from the kind of ground floor hopefully to sean a championship at the end of this season Would we'll see how we build out that roster again looking for some name suggestions for what that series should be called I'm going to go with the most basic, and this is going to leave the floor open for an easy win for some of the listeners. The OT Dynasty Diaries hit me with something better than that. Let me know on Twitter, at Overtime Ireland. We'll pick whichever the best is for that series. But Sean, I'm looking forward to going through building one of those rosters with you, sharing that information with the OT community and seeing how that team does throughout the year. Call My name I, is. I, I
2: thought you were going to go with the OT Dynasty debacle there, as you
1: well sean's peeling back the curtain uh, to let the listeners know that i completely forgot what i was going to call the series and uh had to pause and i've i have cut that out in post-production sean but now the listeners are are well and truly in on the joke so th- thanks for letting me know it was a bit of a debacle as i did try and remember what i was going to say but uh my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to my co-host is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one